I speak to you in the name of one God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer. Amen. When I think of first impressions of movie characters, it's hard to beat the opening scene in Raiders of the Lost Ark when the audience is introduced to Indiana Jones for the very first time. As Indy and his compatriots tromp through the South American jungle, as they work their way through the booby-trapped temple, as the score makes this rousing crescendo and Indy swaps a bag of sand for the golden idol, as he makes his daring escape chased by a giant boulder behind him, and as he cracks his whip for the very first time, the audience learns all they need to know about this adventurous archeologist. He's brave, clever, witty, and honorable. We even learn in this opening scene, as he scrambles onto the puddle jumper airplane to make his final getaway, and he's greeted by a large snake in his seat, something about Indy that is continually referenced throughout the adventure series. Indiana Jones hates snakes. <laughs> Often, but certainly not always, storytellers will use the first introduction of a character to tell their audience something about who that person is and what they represent. And although definitely not part of the Indiana Jones adventure series, the gospel for this morning provides readers with a type of introduction that reveals important aspects of who this Jesus character is. Our story this morning occurs in the first chapter of Mark's gospel. And up until this point, Jesus is baptized by John He's tempted by Satan in the wilderness. He recruits Simon and Andrew to follow him. And then we come to the lesson we hear this morning, the very first act of Jesus's public ministry. And not just any act, mind you, Jesus performs an exorcism. Jesus enters the synagogue in Capernaum. He impresses those present by teaching with authority and then he casts out an unclean spirit that is holding a man captive. By including this story at the inception of Jesus's ministry, the author of Mark tells us something important, what he believes to be at the heart of Jesus's mission. First things matter, which is why it's significant to note that Jesus's first act in public ministry is one of teaching and healing. In casting out the unclean spirit, Jesus restores a man to himself and his community. And Mark, more than any other gospel writer, emphasizes Jesus's ability to heal and to cast out unclean spirits. There are 18 times throughout his gospel, more than any other gospel, where Jesus performs a healing miracle. And right from the get-go, the author of Mark sets the tone and indicates that Jesus, filled with the power of God, has the authority to liberate people from the forces that enslave and oppress. 
I mean, what a way to open, right? I like to imagine that if George Lucas and Steven Spielberg were directing, this would be the scene where there was that fabulous music crescendo and all sorts of cool special effects. It'd be pretty awesome. Now, one of the aspects of this story that might cause modern listeners to pause or at least scratch our heads a little bit is this whole idea of unclean spirits. Guided by modern advancements in science and technology, our 21st century ears might be a bit skeptical when we hear such things as unclean spirits or even demon possession. But in biblical terms, impure or unclean simply means contrary to the sacred. It's also important to note that Jesus and the other characters in this story don't get hung up on the specifics of the unclean spirit. Jesus does not explicitly explain the illness from which the man suffers, nor do those present seem to be focused on the spirit or what it has to say. What really catches the attention of the onlookers, what they focus on and are amazed by, is Jesus's ability to cast out forces of oppression. The focus of this passage is on Jesus's authority to teach and his power to make the unclean clean. And whatever your thinking is in terms of demons and unclean spirits and exorcisms, there is no doubt that there are forces contrary to God's vision for this world. Forces such as addiction, forces of physical, sexual, emotional abuse, forces of racial oppression, forces of corruption and greed that continue to wreak havoc on individuals and in a larger sense on communities and societies. It is forces such as these that Jesus stands steadfastly against. As with a lot of the lectionary throughout Epiphany, this is a lesson that reveals who Jesus is, a teacher with authority who has the power to liberate all people from the forces holding us back from the abundant life that God intends. With this story, Mark sets a tone early on that will carry out through the rest of his gospel. All things demonic, that is, all things contrary to the sacred, including the violent and oppressive systems of the Roman Empire and the religious authorities at the time, are on their way out. From the very onset of this gospel, Mark signals that no form of oppression will withstand the power of Jesus. Our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, has a phrase he often uses in prayer and whenever he's talking about the Jesus movement or the way of love. He often says, the loving, liberating, life-giving way of Jesus. And Bishop Curry talks about how this loving, liberating, life-giving way of Jesus has the power to change this world. I think that's what this lesson is getting at. Mark gives us a picture of Jesus, sort of like that opening scene of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark that will continue to be characteristic of Jesus throughout his ministry. 
He provides a picture of someone intent on delivering humanity from the forces that enslave us so that we might have life, so that we might be restored to ourselves and our communities, so that we might live into God's vision for this world where diverse human communities are drawn closer together and closer to God. This teaching, this word of Jesus, guides the church to create places of healing, places of reconciliation, places of communion and community, so that we might more fully live into who and what God is calling us to be. Amen.